This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami, your TK Show, recording from the home studio. Not too long after a pretty scintillate late in Game 7, Warriors in Sacramento. Very, very glad to have on as guest the guy who was calling that game for ABC. will be calling... Many more Warriors games uh, into the future. It's Jeff Van Gundy from ESPN. Jeff, how you doing today? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, Jeff, I don't rarely ask a general question like this, but what what did we just experience yesterday? What was that like? Calling it, just being in the middle of Steph Curry scoring more points in a game seven than anyone ever had before. Well, particularly when you look at what Thompson and Wiggins shot combined i think they were what nine for 35 or 36 something like that to be able to get 50 points off with so little room you know he's playing with two bigs and two guys who aren't shooting it well so to find his way to the basket like he did yesterday uh the array of finishes that he displayed it wasn't one of those you know incredible like he's just making shot after shot that was miraculous that no one else can make some of those yes but to me what i would it was like a very workman like 50 like into the paint uh his stamina wore down their defense and i think uh i said it a couple weeks ago i I still believe it even though many are critical of this take if you look at the whole last decade not year by year but over the course of the decade to me he's the most valuable player in the league And I don't think it's necessarily even debatable if you look at impact on his team, uh, his own personal stats, and uh, how he's changed the league um, so very much. So I I just think he's been remarkable. And I think he's done something that it's hard to do. It's hard to humble with such great success. He has done that. I think his coach, Steve Kerr, has done that. And uh, I'm always – I don't know about you, Tim, but I I just – I gravitate to people that have supreme confidence like Curry does, but also remarkable humility. No question. And, you know, obviously you bring that up. You're not going to have many people argue with you in the Bay Area, but – and LeBron obviously is the name that comes up. They've played many times in the playoffs. They're going to play again. I don't want to jump straight ahead to analysis of that. But you think Curry over LeBron, Jeff, I'll just say it. Curry over LeBron. Well, it's not over. It, I guess LeBron would be the other guy. I just think, you know, now Curry's missed a ton of games too. So I, I know that the durability issue and so has LeBron. So they both over the last five years missed a ton of games, right? But I just think that in that decade – 
you'd be hard pressed to say someone who's made a nightly impact on their team. Now, certainly when you compare the problem with comparisons is, you know, someone told me once it was the, you know, comparison is the thief of joy because when you highlight one guy, you diminish another. And that, and this is in no way meant to diminish what James has done over this same decade. I just think like Curry has been that great. And what he did last year in the finals with Green being, uh, you know, struggling and Thompson being good, but not, you know, he's been okay, right? Wiggins was terrific. But I, I just thought he carried a group against a really, really good team, highly talented, well-coached, really good team. What he did in that series was remarkable. And and frankly, he's, he did the same thing last night with some help. Looney, great. Green, pretty good. You know, the other guy's okay. He, he just carried them to a road win, and I think we start to take it for granted, and I think that's a shame in its own right. You think the Warriors can win a championship? Are they at that level right now? I didn't think they were at that level last year, and they did it. Uh, I don't think they're at that level because I think the Eastern Conference teams are, are better, but now the Bucks are out. The 76ers are hobbled. It looks like a clear shot to Boston again. And I don't think the Warriors are even as good as last year, but I'm done. <laughs> I am done saying uh, something that Curry can't do. Like he's just, I don't see it, but I'm not going to be like last year when I, I didn't think they could do it. And he found a way to get it done. Obviously, I'm going to agree with you on so many things on Steph is at age 35 that he's doing this. It might be the greatest older player you know, performs Kareem. Certainly there's others, uh, but Michael was basically done winning championships at 35, right? And other guys have not been this good this long and to sustain it for this long at his position on one team, this is Duncan-like, right? This is this is hard to match in NBA history. Yeah, you got, you know, Carl Malone, John's, well, even Malone left, but John Stockton, Carl Malone, that that run was incredible because of also not only their greatness as players, but their durability. Now they ran up against, you know, the Jordan Bulls in the the finals, but you know, that was a great run. Um, Duncan, obviously like ridiculous run there. And what I loved about Duncan, which I can see Curry doing as well, gracefully, like when it gets to that point, gracefully, passing the mantle to someone else. That isn't even close to the time now, nor do they have the player even to do it yet. So, I mean, that's, you know, I just skipped uh, about 15 <laughs> steps. But I, could, I could see that that uh, happening as well. And there is something special to me about playing your entire career with one organization. You know, like Kobe Bryant, like Tim Duncan, you know, John Stockton. Um, I, I think, you know, those those things are remarkable. Uh, okay. If you're Steve Kerr, what do you do with Jordan Poole right now, Jeff? I mean, we know that there's ups and downs. It hasn't been good in this series. It was, he was good last postseason, but what do you do now? Yeah. He's an interesting guy just from afar to, to watch. Um, he, he, he looks 
on every substitution to be imminently disappointed with him being taken out um, with a quizzical look like I don't understand. Um, I don't know if, if if he's hard to coach or not. I've never, you know, I, I, unless you coach somebody, you have no idea. He may be the easiest guy in the world to coach. He may be incredibly open to suggestion and correction. Um, his teammates, he may be beloved. I don't, I don't know any of those. I, I just think he, he just appears from the outside to be um, a little bit dissatisfied a lot of the time. And I think if that's true, and I'm not saying it is, that's my perception, then it's hard to play really well. Uh, I think attitude shapes so much of performance in the playoffs. I thought when he was open yesterday and took well-balanced shots, he has terrific skill. He's got a great chance of uh, scoring at a highly efficient rate. But he seems uh, to take so many hard shots and hard shots early in the clock that it reduces his chance of efficiency. And then if you're an inefficient offensive player and you have defensive uh, weaknesses, it really then makes it hard on a coach to play you the minutes that you want. And so going forward, I would suspect that Steve Kerr would – continue to rely on him heavily, but off the bench. And I think, you know, Moody showed good flashes. I I would not be surprised in the next series against the Lakers if Kaminga, for his physicality, wasn't uh, put back in the rotation to sort of match up his physicality with Hachimura and James, you know. but their bench has been whittled down so much that I think Steve Kerr always is having to mix and match. And Poole has to be a big part of it. Um, he just has to be. But to do that, he's going to have to be more efficient. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to play more guys, right, against the Lakers. It just feels like it. Uh, and maybe the Kings were not a great matchup for Kaminga. Who knows if he's going to be able to just drop into the to a Lakers series. But do you feel like the Warriors have to go a little deeper against the Lakers? Well, the hard part is they have, they have two bigs that they trust, right? So, you know, maybe Jermichael Green, he, maybe he plays some. I, I don't know. He does give them spacing. I've always liked how he's played in the limited minutes that he, that he gets. Um, I, I think if they're going to go deeper, it would be Lamb or Kaminga. Yep. And I know just from watching how Steve, uh, when, when Lamb had a chance to play, uh, because of injury or whatever it may be, he trusts him very much. Uh, and I think he's a hard-nosed competitor, future a little bit better than Kaminga. Uh, but I would think if he's going to go deeper, it's going to be one of those two. And I would suspect Kaminga may get the first chance uh, as like that eighth, ninth guy. Yeah, guarding LeBron. I just think they maybe give him five minutes guarding yeah. LeBron, wear him down a little bit. Um, okay, let's look at Lakers Warriors. We know it's an epic matchup. We know everybody's going to be looking at it. Uh, what do you think? What are your general themes when you just kind of think of this matchup going into it? Well, going back to game seven, I thought the Warriors played such a more sound game than a few of the ones that in that series. I thought they were a little reckless with the ball. Um, 
reckless with their shot selection and, and their fouls. So those three things to me are the telltale sign about whether the Warriors will win the series or not. If they can reduce, you know, because the Lakers live at the line and the Warriors don't. So that has to be a manageable difference. You would suspect the Lakers would have the advantage there, but it can't be so much that the Warriors are in foul trouble and they're they're playing more in their into their bench. Um, and then to me, I, I think LA will play the Warriors very similar to how the Warriors played Sabonis. You know, they will disregard Looney and Green on the perimeter and Kaminga. But I think what the Warriors do so well is they morph from this movement when their bigs are being ignored to running a pick and roll, which automatically brings the big up for the other team into almost a double, particularly against Curry. And now they're able to play four on three and they do it very, very well. I mean, Looney and Green as bigs pass the ball so very well. So I think the Lakers have a lot of advantages. I don't know if any of those advantages trump Steph Curry. <laughs> what does LeBron have left at 30? I mean, we see him dominating for stretches, but then there's other pretty long minutes when he's just kind of standing in the corner and saying, Schroeder, you go, you go, Rui, you go, or D'Angelo Russell, right? Fourth quarter, you go. Yeah. Where, where, do you, where do you see LeBron right now in his ability to take over games? Can, can, he, can he do that anymore, or is it just minutes at a time? Yeah. I think, actually, when a, when a great player like James is willing to share like he has been, uh, I think the Lakers saved their season when James was out for an extended period of time and they were able to win. And I think the easiest thing to do if you were James is to come back in you know, dominate the ball, dominate, you know, all aspects of the team. And he really has been, I think, very wise in how he's chosen, you know, his his spots, as you mentioned, and not trying to take over right from the start. I I don't know if he has that stamina or that, you know, at, at his age to just, you know, 40 minutes a game, all out like we saw back in, you know, those great series that he played against the Warriors. Um, I think that would be asking a little too much. And he's got a lot of, you know, good players alongside him. The Lakers did a great job at the trade deadline. That's been well documented. Anthony Davis, uh, Hachimura up front. Uh, they have good depth up there. And then, you know, to me, Schroeder is going to be such a key for them against Curry. You know, he'd be like a Davion Mitchell type with more offensive skill. So uh, I'm interested, but I think James, you know, in moments, we saw it in, in the Memphis game when he drove it late and, and finished. He, he's got – he's still got great, great ability. His mind is as, as good as any player in the league as far as basketball intelligence. And so uh, – yeah, it's not going to be the same one you guys got used to seeing in the finals, but that doesn't mean it can't be a successful one either. You know, up here, we're always we're looking at this dynasty. Is it the last dance? I mean, they bring it up themselves, uh, and then you see what happens in Game 7, and that's what I wrote. Like, you just can't break this up. Jeff, is someone just looking at this, and you watch the Bulls break up. You've been through various other kind of dynasty, Lakers dynasties we watched. 
are the Warriors like? Do they have to keep this together, or can you see this spinning off if they like say don't beat the Lakers? Well, I think it's really hard to sustain success. I think a lot of things usually get in the way. Sometimes teams beat themselves, you know, by infighting and you know just power grabs, all that, all those sort of things. And then it's a you know business. People want to maximize, uh, particularly players, and rightfully so, maximize their best earning years that they have in their career. And that, you know, can throw it off too. But if the, if the Warriors happened to lose to the Lakers, I would see no reason to overreact. Uh, Steph Curry, you know, will be one of the, you know, he'll play great next year if healthy. I think, you know, Draymond Green's got a big decision to make and what he wants to do uh, and what the Warriors are willing to do to retain him. I I think the pool situation to me is is the major one uh, that they would have to decide on that course uh, because he's making a lot of money and to pay a guy a lot of money to come off the bench that's uh, probably not the best use of their of their money if that's how they continue to see his uh, career path so I think I think those decisions the green and and pool ones would be challenging. But I think if they find, you know, like Trey Lyles, like a guy like him, he, yep. he was minimum wage, right? Like there are guys out there that can fit your team and you just got to find them. And then frankly, like Moody or Kaminga or both need to make a jump because so much was invested in those draft picks trying to run a parallel course of being a championship caliber team and a developmental program and the the Wiseman situation obviously uh that didn't turn out well when you take the second pick in the draft and it and, and you don't hit on it that sets you back and then Kaminga and Moody like they were such uh high draft choices for such a great team one or both have to hit and I think it's too early to judge right now these young players to see if they can, you know, fit into a championship caliber team on a nightly basis. If you're another team, Jeff, and you're looking at Draymond Green, if he becomes a free agent, which is his right, do you say that this guy, we can pay $30 million and he'll fix us? Or there's going to be some uh, major question marks, whether that's the market for Draymond? Well, I think they have such a unique fit in Golden State. Draymond Green could be a good player anywhere, but could he be as impactful as he is with Golden State and in particular with the great shooting of Thompson and Curry? I would say that is the perfect place for him because his lack of consistent range shooting coupled with playing another big like Looney who doesn't do that, if he was just around pretty good shooters but not great NBA shooters, I think – what he doesn't do well would be highlighted as much as what he does do well. When he plays with Curry and Thompson, what he does really well is absolutely highlighted at. He's such a good ball mover, decision maker, and then a defender who has such great instincts. Those things stand out. And so I, I think for himself, 
uh, and the Warriors. The fit is really good. And that fire he brings uh, is so important. The intelligence with which he plays is so great that it may not be as impactful on another team uh, as it is with the Warriors. All right, I'll ask you, and this with a version. Of, well, first, I'll just say it's good to see you again after you're hobnobbing with some other people. I saw at halftime uh, yesterday. Listen, <laughs> I, I love. I, I'm I'm like I'm a diehard Texan fan, right? So season ticket holders, say all this, right? So when I saw uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan yesterday, I, I busted up your conversation because. <laughs> I love Kyle Shanahan because he was the offensive coordinator That's right. That's right. in Tex at the Texans. And my, one of my favorite all times Texans is Matt Schaub. So who I, Mark Jackson kills me, but I say he's a top five quarterback of all time. So, <laughs> but so I always am running over to Kyle to get one more nugget about like how good Schaub was. Because <laughs> he, he, he always is. Uh, he's always agreeing with me that Schaub was, underrated and it was an outstanding player so i was sorry to bust up your conversation but i got my job fixed so i feel good about myself now it was basically you and kyle just yelling matt schaub to each other yeah all right that's what it's like hop being around jeff and gunny kyle shannon and john lynch that's that's what I, I experienced that all right jeff i'll ask you the question what's your favorite restaurant in san francisco Okay, so Union Square, up the hill, is a sushi joint named, I may be not, not pronouncing it right, Maru, M-A-R-U. That sounds good. I'm there every lunch and dinner that I'm in San Francisco. I love it. Wow. What, uh, you're a sushi guy or you just found it? And you I am. I am. I'm a sushi guy, but there I, I eat some uh, yaki udon and I eat some tempura. And uh, they're open at 11. I, you know, when you get old like me, you're eating an early lunch and an early dinner. So I can see the uh, the sushi makers are like, man, what is this guy doing here at 11.15? No one eats sushi at 11.15, but I'm there. So I can't wait. We got the game on uh, Thursday. Thursday. And so I will be there. The game's early, though, so it's cutting into my dinner plan. So I'm going to have to eat a big lunch. <laughs> All right, Jeff. That's awesome. You're making I'm old, too. So you're making me hungry at 10 o'clock Eastern uh, Pacific time. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all sounds from could, could, could use a little udon. A little tempura udon would not be terrible right now. No, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Thanks right. so much for this. Uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you very soon and we'll talk to you later. Take care. All right. That's the show for today, everybody. Thank you.